So I'm going to select a telomere sequence from my list of genes, um, and then I'm going to sonify all three reading frames, and then I'll play it. It'll sound quite repetitive. Which is the telomere repeats. But there'll be a change. There you go. So it's, it's switched to a different melodic pattern because it's been put out of sync by one bass pair. Which is a mutation. It only takes one bass pair to knock that out yeah, because yeah. we're doing stuff in the reading phase, yeah. right? So, that, so huge, yeah. that big change in audio is caused by one bass pair change. I can't think of any more human activity than conducting science experiments. The game I play is a very interesting one. It's imagination in a tight straitjacket. The beauty of a living thing is not the atoms that go into it, but the way those atoms are put together. What I always think should be the basis of education is not answers, but questions. We should teach kids how to question. So we're here with uh, Dr. Mark Temple. Actually, had Mark as a lecturer for molecular medicine. Oh. Those are really yeah. fun. Those are really fun. Yeah, this is a few I years back. Had that <laughs> so Mark is a molecular biologist. Uh, he's interested. I, I, I saw that looking at chromatin structure, cell cycle stage, aging. Um, just dropped the, like, I, the real sciencey terms like right yeah, off the bat. So, <laughs> so yeah, you, you, I think you've just gone through my um, profile on, on, on the uni page and picked out the keywords. <laughs> there's lots of keywords there, yeah, so but they include yeah, um, aging and yeah, yeah. 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 yeah so that's that's the stuff for people who who want to get into research or are interested in potentially collaborating with you, so they know broadly uh, what you're working on. Yeah, yeah. In, in terms of um, students, I think any student who's engaged and enthusiastic is an asset, mm -hmm. and I think any academic would want those kind of students. So regardless of your actual expertise as a student, if you've got those enthusiasm and, you know, engagement you know, attributes, mm -hmm. you should be able to talk to anyone, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, we really wanted to talk to you, me in particular, because we share a, a part of a story together. We were... We're both musicians, actually. So, so, strictly speaking, for a long time, I was a drummer. And yeah. the drummers are people who hang around musicians. <laughs> That's the joke. Yeah. So, but I, I would consider myself more musical than um, I previously thought. Yeah. So what do you play? Uh, or quite a few instruments. Uh, I actually, at the moment, I teach guitar, and probably that's what I'm playing the most. Mm -hmm. But I played in bands playing bass and actually even a bit of saxophone. And yeah, the yeah, first yeah. instrument I learned was piano. That's, piano yeah, is yeah. a really good start instrument, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've talked to a lot of academics, and quite a lot of them have done music in the past. Yeah. And some of them are quite nostalgic about the music they did and never took it anywhere. They're, they're also good at science. Yeah. So do you pursue what you enjoy or do you, do you pursue what you're good at? Yeah. And that's the, and if, effectively you have to pursue what gives you an income. Yeah. That's the bottom line. So um, I, I've always had a strong interest in music and when I don't pursue music, I think I get depressed. Yeah. Like if I don't 
play music for three years, like just say, I'm going to focus on my PhD, I'm going to focus on this, mm. I can do that. And I can, I can do well at science, but I find myself getting depressed. Yeah. And when I re-engage with music, suddenly that part of my brain is back to life. Yeah. And I'm doing science, and I'm doing music, and I'm in a good space. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't give up music like a lot of people do. Yeah. I think, you know. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's um, like I still do a bit of private tuition and I the money's okay for that, but like that's not why I'm doing it. Really, you can teach me a few things. Yeah, the, yeah. the reason why I'm doing it is because like that's an outlet for me. I don't really have the time to go and play in bands and gig and things mm-hmm. like that I did in my past, but being able to just privately teach as an outlet for a couple of hours a week, a few days mm-hmm. a week, just to like, go and play some music with some people. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even like things like this podcast, it's really good even to have a, just a creative outlet, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is video editing and things we're getting into now as a creative process. And I think balancing that with the more analytical side, is, it's enjoyable, you know? It gives you that break from the... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think when I go back to my burgeoning undergrad days, which was, we're talking early 1980s here, so a long time ago, um, I went to uni not playing music. I went to music as kind of like this, you know, kind of partly depressed, kind of not know where I'm going kind of person. And I started doing an engineering subject and didn't like it, so I drifted into biology and rah, rah, rah. And um, I remember sitting in the back of a chemistry lecture with these two dudes who became good friends, but they were just dudes back then. It's like, who are you? And I'm sat with them. And then one guy, rather than listening to the lecturer, he was writing poetry. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And, you know, I, I said, well, I, I'm, I'm trying to learn an instrument. You know, you should poetry is songs, we should do some stuff together. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other guy was his headphone going, I play guitar. <laughs> I thought, okay, let's, let's form a band. Yeah. So in the back room of, room of the chemistry lecture, we decided to, to, to do stuff together. Yeah. And that, the three of us in that lecture played together for years and then finally expanded to a four-piece. And that four-piece became the band that broke up and then reformed and became the Hummingbirds. Yeah. So it all came from, you know, these bored students at the back of a chemistry lecture. I love chemistry, by the way, if you're listening, Janice and all the other <laughs> chemistry lecturers. We, we couldn't live without chemistry. But sometimes you get distracted. Yeah. And we got distracted and formed a band. Yeah. And then I had my music, which was re- a real thing then, mm. and my science. Yeah. And it was just a matter of juggling the two as best he could. Yeah. Um, for a lot of people, it's not an issue because music doesn't go anywhere. So you don't have anything to manage. You've just got your science and you've got your little hobby. Yeah. But for us, we the music went somewhere. Mm-hmm. So suddenly juggling the music activity and the science activity became difficult. And that's when I had to make a decision. Do I do science or do I do music? Mm-hmm. You know? So were you, were you like performing and doing like tours and stuff like that? So well, it doesn't happen instantly. The, the first band with those friends in chemistry, when we got a, 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 four, a fourth person in, we did five gigs in two years. Hmm. So it was hardly busy. Yeah. And it was easy to manage that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then we broke up and I did honours. I did an honours in plant biochemistry. Go figure. Um, and then after the honours, again, I hadn't done music for a year. Mm. I felt, oh, I've got to do something. You know, i really got to, you know... So I called up my mates and said, look, let's, let's have another go. And like they were, yeah, right. So we, we got back together and had another go. But we were much more focused because we had a year off. Yeah. And because we'd been in the band that 
didn't do very well, mm. we, we, we knew we had to be more focused and professional about what we were doing. Mm. So we were very focused and professional. We, you know, we, we were sorry, much more song-based. Mm. We recorded our material, we promoted our material, mm. and we, we, we tried to play mm. shows. And then it just kind of, it pretty much from the first show, before we left the building, we got asked to play another show. Mm. And then we played the second show, and then we got asked to play a third show. And yeah. it just never stopped. From that point on, yeah. people just kept asking us to do stuff. Yeah. And we just said yes all the time. We yeah. always just went with it. And then it just ballooned out of control. Not out of control, but it became more successful than we anticipated. Yeah. You know. And then that's when I had to say to my supervisor, because I was doing an MSc then, um, I can't come in on Saturday to do that thing you want me to do because I've got to go record. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, oh yeah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then three weeks later, when the recording date come, he goes, oh, and by the way, you're coming in on Saturday, aren't you? And I'd be like, no, I'm recording. And he, said, he was like, no, you're coming in on Saturday. Yeah. So I went in on Saturday really early and then bailed and was late to the recording. And I was really stressed out because I was just trying to do two things. And then yeah. that started to happen more and more frequently right. with, the, with the gigs and the early morning starts. Yeah. And at some point I went, I, I can't do this. Yeah. And then particularly when they say, can you come into the studio for six weeks? Mm. You know, like mm. all day, every day. Yeah. So it's like, well, I've got to give up science. Yeah. Mm. You know, so we, we did. We, we all kind of gave up our day gigs and said, let's try this full time. Yeah, so... So you gave up science at that stage. I did. And then we took the music. We, but now you're a scientist. So there's a, there's a disconnect here. There's, some, there's something missing from your story that we need to hear. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I gave up science. So the, the, the disconnect is how did I leave the band and get back into science? Yeah. Because if you think about it, if you've done music for five years or six years, you know, my passport had professional musician as my, my occupation. Mm. I was very proud of that. It's like, oh, look at that. I'd show my friends, look, I'm a musician, <laughs> you know. And when I, I, I left the band, okay, for whatever reasons, um, it, was, it was one of the most difficult things I, I ever did. It was having to walk out of my buddies and say, look, mm. I can't do this anymore. But I, I left and then went back to science and go to these interviews and I was really stressing out because they're going to say, well, Mark, what have you been doing? What, what makes you good for this job? And yeah. I can say, well, I've been drinking lots and playing music <laughs> in a rock and roll band. <laughs> so I was like, well, how are you going to get a job? Yeah. So I was really anxious, yeah. what do I do? Yeah. But um, science moves quite fast as well, right? Like if you're yeah. out for five or six years, probably depends what field you're in largely, but you, you're probably missing quite a bit of uh, latest it, it, research. It does move quickly. And I think when you're young, you think that the information you have is what's going to get you the job rather than your ability to do things is what's going to get you the job. Yeah. So those bits of information you've learnt are what you want to be current. Mm -hmm. And they're going to get out of date within five years. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, what I knew was kind of out of date. And I managed to talk to some old friends and get some tutoring work and some demonstrating work. Mm -hmm. And I did quite well at that and then got a job directly into, the, into a laboratory assistant position, which is not something I would have wanted to do. You don't, you don't study a master's degree in science to go and be a lab assistant. Yeah. So I made that decision that I think I need to come in at a lower level than I would have had I not done bands and music. Mm -hmm. And that worked. So I, I got a job as a lab assistant, and I got time to do my MSc part-time. So I, they gave me a little office next door to the lab. Mm. So 
at four or five o'clock, I would just jump into my office and do a bit of writing mm. and finish off you know, a bit of analysis and stuff. Mm. And did that for two years. So that got me back into um, science because once I got my MSc, I was then able to get a research assistant position. Right. And then that gave me a bit more freedom and started to mix with the academics a lot more. And then, you know, um, I, I, I was still in a, a part-time band at that stage. Because when I left, you don't need to know this as a science podcast, but <laughs> when I left the band as a drummer, part of my reason was I wanted to do guitar vocals. I wanted to be at least at some point in my life, front a band yeah. and sing to the audience and play my loud guitar and do a guitar solo <laughs> and do the rock thing as, yeah. as a front person. I wanted to have that experience because I was always at the back. And being in a, in a successful rock band as the drummer, to suddenly go, I want to sing and play guitar, which was a big deal because suddenly your first gig is going to be in front of 4,000 people or 3,000 people because yeah. it's a big gig. Oh, yeah. So you can't do it on a little... So the, the band kind of, you know, Simon at the time had to go up playing drums and I had played guitar and we did a couple of my songs. And I listened back to them a couple of years ago and went, gee, they're awful. Yeah. <laughs> but, at least, but at least we went through the process yeah. of, of, yeah. of me having a go. Yeah. But I, I couldn't face the prospect of fronting that band for one or two songs in front of a big audience. I, I was yeah. just getting a bit nervous about that and yeah. I thought, oh. So, and also I had no money. We were going through a financial thing and, and a big argument with a record company that was yeah. intractable yeah. and I couldn't see how we were going to resolve it. Mm. So, you know, like I said, you do what pays you an income. And yeah. I mm. thought, well, this is intractable. I want to have a go at singing. Maybe I should try to just leave and, and had to get a job. So then I stumbled back into science. It's a tough decision, isn't it? Because bands are very, uh, like they're very personal. You get very close relationships with the people you're in in bands, I think. You, you do. It's and more than just a normal professional like relationship. Divorced, I'm assuming. Yeah. It, it is. And, and I think when you're, like we, we used to talk about cabin fever because we were in each other's company all day, every day, mm. day in, day out for years, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you, 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 we used to say, you get to know more about a person than you ever imagined you would know about that person right. who's not your partner, yeah. you know. And, um, but you know, on, the, on, the, on the other side of things, you know, it's a lot of fun being in a band. It's really great fun. When it's working, it's really great fun. But w w when you're in a band or when you're in any sort of situation, you don't think about leaving and how it's going to end. And you see it as being ongoing and it's not going to end. It, mm. We're going to keep rolling. And when this contract expires, we're going to get another contract. When the mm. album's recorded, we'll record another album and it'll go on and on. In the same way that when you're doing science, you know, I'm going to get this job, I'm going to publish these papers and I'll go somewhere else and I'll work and I'll publish papers mm. and it'll just roll on. Mm. But music's not as structured as science. Science is very structured. You can lay out a, a career path where I'm going to do undergrad honours, PhD, get a postdoc, do a couple of postdoc positions, get a lecture position, and then I'll be right until I retire. Mm. And for a lot of people, that is a, a fairly easy career path to follow. Mm. And I stumbled into that career path as well. Mm. Um, and I'm very grateful the fact that I, I managed to, I, I see my job as a lecturer as a, a, as a second opportunity. Like, you know, I think often you only get one opportunity in life. And I think right. having mm. the band opportunity and the science opportunity has been great for me, I feel, I feel yeah. very lucky in that that was um, respect. Yeah. Uh, 
We've rambled on. I haven't quite got to the point, but I've almost forgotten what the point is. <laughs> the point, no, it's a conversation. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't yeah, have yeah. to be a punchline. Uh, cool. to, so I, I'm curious, how did you get into molecular biology? From Because okay. you said you, you did plant, plant. Bio, yeah. biochemistry. Yeah. But so so th- th- there's two types of scientists in this world, good ones and bad ones. No, no, no. <laughs> there's two kind of scientists. I reckon there's those that focus early on and they manage to maintain their focus for their career. And the advantage of that is you become a world expert in something. Mm. And then that gives you that authority to be an expert and to go to conferences and talk and to lecture and do all that kind of stuff. I haven't followed that career path. And that's been, in a sense, it's been detrimental to me. But it's also, it's my path, so I accept it as the way I got to where I am. So I did my honours in plant biochemistry. And then... um, one day, walking down the corridor, once I'd finished my honours, I bumped into a lecturer who I, I'd written an essay on NMR te- spectroscopy in one of the exams. And there must have been so few essays written on that part of the subject that the lecturer remembered me. Uh, yeah. So he, he was started talking to me. He was friendly to me because I'd written the essay on molecular biology. That's on, a good, on, tip. On, on That's a good NMR. tip for students, right? Try and stand out from the crowd. <laughs> it is. Write, write, write an esoteric essay on an obscure subject and you will impress your lecturer that's right but make sure you do a good job <laughs> yeah otherwise you'll stick out for the bad reasons yeah yeah so so he offered me part-time work because i wanted to keep doing some science stuff so i jumped from plant biochemistry to nmr structure of proteins in one fell swoop which is fine because you know like i said I, I was engaged enthusiastic and he he employed me so i learned to do nmr with him and then when i finished nmr I bailed into the band, then came back from the band to finish the NMR. Mm. So I finished my MSc in NMR when I left the band. And as you can imagine, being halfway through a degree with an academic and then bailing causes friction between you and the academic. Mm. So we we had quite a fracturous relationship. And when I came back from the band, I wanted to re-engage with my MSc. And my lecturer said to me, my mentor said, no, that, that's not possible. That was five years ago. Things have moved on. I don't see how you could possibly finish what you did. Mm-hmm. So I went and complained to the head of school, and he said, don't worry, Mark, we'll set you up with another NMR spectroscopist. And then when my lecturer, my mentor, who'd moved to Melbourne, um, found out, he said, okay, fine, we'll work this out. So he flew me down to Melbourne. I stayed at his house, and that's how I engaged in re-engaging with, with that. So I jumped to NMR following plant biochemistry, and then when I finished my NMR, I, I'm not that good at maths. And I think there's lots of smart people do NMR work. N- nuclear Magnetic Resonance Spectroscopy. That's mm. what NMR stands for. And I think there's lots of very smart people. And I just thought, I can't compete with these guys because, th- you know, I, I know that they're really smart. And I, 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 was just, I was scratching my head. And then and also, it was a small field of science. Mm. And I got cold feet. And then another academic said to me, I've just got a grant, I've got a position in my lab, part-time, in molecular biology. And I thought, actually, molecular biology sounds good because it's a widespread thing. There's thousands and thousands of molecular biologists. Mm. Because molecular biology is that, that rudimentary technique that you learn. Everyone does PCR, everyone does acrylose gels, everyone, mm. you know, in science. It's a, mm. So I thought that would be a really good thing. So even though I liked NMR, I just found it too cliquey and I wasn't, didn't feel competent relative to my super duper smart friends. Mm. So I jumped to molecular biology 
whilst I was doing a band thing. And then the head of school came up to me and said, Mark, why aren't you doing a PhD? And I said, well, I didn't do that well in my honours and I did band and I did this. And he goes, no, 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 you should, you should apply for an, an APA scholarship because I'd published a paper whilst I was in, in my yeah. doing molecular and yeah. I published a paper in NMR. Yeah. So he said, the papers will add to your track record and I think that will get you above the mark. Yeah. So I just went, oh, okay. And I went and had a chat with my boss my, who was employing me to do it, molecular biology. And he said... That sounds great. He says, I'll support you. If you get your scholarship, I'll top you up. So you'll still get as much as you get as a part-time worker, but you'll have freedom. Mm. And that, that, that's an important thing that I often say to my stu- point out to the students is that if you're doing a postgraduate degree, y- you're going to get people who expect you to take on that topic and to think about that topic and to choose the direction which the topic takes. Mm. So you start to have ownership on what you do. Mm. Where if you're just doing um, assistant work, you're forever doing exactly what is laid out to you by your boss. You mm. do what mm. the, the, the protocol and you repeat it and you don't modify it, you don't change it, you don't develop it. But once you've got a postgraduate degree or whilst you're doing a postgraduate degree, mm. you're encouraged to take ownership and to think about it deeply and to make decisions that affect the outcome. Mm. And that was... Uh, that was the big difference. That, that was what really drew me into the PhD. Because as I was working as a research scientist, I still had to do the amount of routine jobs because that's what I was being paid for. Whereas as soon as I got my scholarship, it gave me freedom to do the science and to take those techniques and apply them. So that was a, a, a really big thing. So that's how I, I, that's how I morphed into postgraduate in molecular biology from starting out in plants biochemistry. You say that because I have a similar experience. I came, um, I I would needed some money, right? Being a musician, I was poor. I needed a day job. So I was like, where am I going to... cold pizza? Yeah. That's all left behind the (laughs) previous day. I was sick of cold pizza. So so I basically had to reach this crossroads, right? What do I do? And um, I decided to do a lab tech job. I did a TAFE degree to get me Mm -hmm. in lab tech. But the thing I didn't like about that job and what a lot of people maybe don't realize about science jobs is how routine they are. Mm -hmm. Every day I had the same set of jobs to do. I tick them off. And it's good in some respects. I guess some people kind of like that, right? They can keep their work separate. It's easy. They don't have to think too much about it. They go do their job. They get paid and they Mm -hmm. come home. But it didn't really kind of inspire me. And now, and I did the undergrad originally just to kind of, you know, progress up the ladder mm-hmm. but then kind of got bitten by the research buck about halfway through thinking you know, this is really great like this freedom i have to investigate what i want so yeah mm-hmm. it really resonates what you were saying but now you're balling because you're on an apa scholarship as well <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't call it balling but yeah come on dude it's tax, well, I, it's I, tax free yeah. I, I think whether it's science or music it, it's like five percent inspiration and 95 percent perspiration so <laughs> if you're doing uh, an assistant position, you don't have that 5% of inspiration. It's just yeah. all routine. Yeah. And it's just a little bit of thinking about what you do and those making decisions about what you do mm. and then just doing all that application and mm. repeating stuff. But it's that decision-making that's important. Yeah. I think if you're a creative person or if you just want to take control over what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I totally yeah. agree. Um, let's, let's talk about... So we've talked about music, we've talked about science and how you got into it. Tell us how you've been uh, able to marry those two. Yes, that's the, that, that's the quandary. So, the, the 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 issue is, music and science are are in different 
different realms. Particularly if you're paid to do molecular biology, there's no outlet within what you're doing to engage in music. And that's fine. I, I accept that, and I accepted that for years. But, you know, at some point I was sitting in my office scratching my head thinking, is there an overlap that I can exploit? Because I think to do well at what you do, you need to, you need to um, use all the resources you have available to you. So I was thinking, I've got a knowledge of music, I've got a knowledge of like theory and playing, and I've got a knowledge of molecular biology and thinking experiments and doing experiments. Mm. And I was annoyed that there was no overlap. So I was doing music outside of hours, and I was doing molecular biology as my day job, which is fine. And I thought, there's got to be an overlap, and I was scratching my head. And then I came across this, um, I actually went over to the Marx Institute, because they were having an opening. And part of the opening, they were talking about this space they've got set up that had, you know you've got five point surround systems, we've got five speakers. Well, they were talking, I think it was like a 20 point surround system. They had 20 speakers, all at different angles and things, to create this rotating world of sound. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that looks really interesting. I, I've, I've got to go there. And, and I did a bit of research before I went there. And I, I started to read about sonification, this idea of using sound for data analysis. Mm. So I'd, 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 I thought about it. I thought about molecular biology. And I thought, why not take a molecular biology concept and apply sonification to it, create audio using a biological concept? Mm. And I thought about, obviously, I'm a DNA person. So I thought, well, I'll take DNA sequence and create audio from it. A quick look in the literature, you find there's plenty of examples of people taking the, the bases of DNA, which is like the G's, A's, T's, and C bases, that just repeat so these endlessly. So the rungs of the DNA ladder. These are the leathers. Yeah. Yeah, so, so if you think about DNA, it's a long linear molecule. And it's, just, it's almost an endless molecule, a, a linear molecule that goes on for billions of base pairs. Mm. And as you run down that linear molecule, you, 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 you basically all you're doing is running across these bases. So you're running across G's, A's, T's, and C bases in different orders mm. endlessly, okay? And people have taken the order of those bases and just mapped them to musical notes. And it's very easy to do. The, the, the most obvious thing to do is to say there are four bases, therefore I'll map them to four notes. Mm. And people have done that before. Mm. The next most obvious thing to do is to copy biology. So if, if you think about a cell and how a cell operates, it has a genome, which is the DNA, mm. and it converts the information stored in the DNA into a protein sequence. Mm. And there's a complicated process called gene expression mm. that, that takes the DNA sequence into a protein sequence. And that process for undergraduates, it consists of transcription and translation. Okay, so I thought that process of gene expression of making a protein sequence is a good way, rather than making a, a linear string of amino acids, which is a protein, I'll make a linear string of notes, which is audio. And that's been done before. So I copied what had been done before. So I, I just took the codons. So rather yeah. than taking an A and mapping it to a, a musical note, and then a G, a T, and a C in the DNA, mm. and mapping them to four musical notes, you take a codon, which is three bases, mm. and you map. These, these are kind of like, so the A's, G's, C's, and T's, they're like the letters, but DNA works, it puts those letters into words, but every single word is three letters yeah, long. Yeah, so, so yeah, so each word, is, so yeah, that's, a perfect, that's, the that, that, that's the perfect analogy. So yeah. each base is a letter, and a codon is a word. Mm. 
and the, the, the cell uses three-letter words. So three bases go to one amino acid residue. So I, I, I did that, a part of my sonification. And then if you want to uh, get something that's publishable in science, you need to have some, something that's new, something that's a different way of thinking about it. So what hadn't been done is that people hadn't taken other aspects of that process of gene expression, such as using start codons and stop codons. So the beginning and end of genes, you have these particular words. So I took those words and I, in my coding, I, I use those words to start or stop the audio rather than to start or finish a protein. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I did, which I thought was interesting, is that these three-letter words can be read in different ways. So one sequence can be read three different ways mm -hmm. in the cell. Mm -hmm. So why not take one sequence and create three different strings of audio from it? Mm -hmm. And then find the stops and start codons in one of those three reading frames and then create interwoven passages of music, each of those three instruments, if you like, stopping and starting, mm -hmm. depending on where the stop and start codons are. That's cool. So, so I did that as my, you know, I thought it was cool. Yeah, and yeah. and I, I listened to the audio and I thought it was, it was, in, it, it was interesting. Yeah. I can play uh, you a yeah, bit. I'd love to hear like. some audio in a second, but I just right. have some music nerd questions to ask, right? <laughs> no, go I, for I just it. have yeah, to yeah, like yeah, yeah. out some things. Yeah. So, so um, a reading frame, so we have these codons, right? And, yeah, and if words. we start, yeah, these words, right? If we start on the first letter of the word, or the second letter of the, the word, or the third letter, that's what you mean that by the reading frame. That gives you three frame. reading frames. So, yes. correct me if I'm wrong, but you had, so then you had three kind of uh, instruments. Did you have a different instrument yes, yes, for each reading yes. frame? Yeah. Awesome. And so you compile these three instruments, and they're both playing slightly different melodies because they're starting from a different reading frame. Yes. And then what so about... So starting from different reading frame means that because it's like uh, they make new words, basically, right? Because well, they, they do, yeah. they do. The codon, yeah, yeah. using three... So if you, have three 20, yeah. if you have 20 letters, if you start from the first one or the second or the third, then you get new bunches of so words. So, so for example, out. at the beginning of a gene, typically you'd have an A-T-G codon. So the letters A-T and G yeah. form the first word. But then you slide along to the second base. So not the A, T, G, but the T, G, something else. Mm. And then you slide along to the third letter, which is the G, and then you've got G, something else, something else. Yeah. Yeah. So they're your three reading frames. Yeah. So you slide along one base at a time, yeah. and each time, so that your sliding window is three, is, is, is three base pairs long, yeah. and it moves at one base at a time. Right. And that creates all possible reading frames. But in a cell, you, you read the three bases, and then you jump to the next three bases. You don't yeah. slide along, and then you jump to the next three bases. Right. So the cell has to decide which of those positions, do I start on the first base, the second base, or the third base, right. before I then jump to the next the three. One, yeah. The cell has to make that decision. Yeah. So it's start and stop codons help make that decision. Right. So. Sorry, you, 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 yeah, so, so, you, so you had those three different reading frames or a different instrument each. Yes. That then you were mentioning before that you used the four, the A, C, G, and T as four different notes. But yes. being a musician, there's 12 different notes in music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. just in one octave. That's we can right. have multiple that's octaves. Right. So, um, so here's how I would have done it. I would have probably taken the codons because there's more. If we take those four letters, mm -hmm. we can make 20... You, you can. 20 words? 21 words? Um, it, it, 
I should know that. I should know that. I feel bad for not knowing that. I, 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 can, I can give you a, a complete breakdown if, if you want, but it's yeah. a bit nerdy. But I'll try. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, Let's get nerdy. Let's okay. get nerdy. So, so, so rather than just if we limit ourselves to those letters, right, which you were yeah, mentioning yeah, before, yeah. we can only hit four musical notes. That's so right. It's not very flexible. It's mono. It, it's almost monotonic. It's not even a minor pentatonic scale. No, you can't get. You can't get your fifth note. You're stuck on those four notes. So you can't. You could probably play Smoke on the Water, but yeah. you probably couldn't play, um, I don't know, another indie, yeah. I don't know, whatever song you want to pick. Yeah. You know. um, so, so how did you organize that? So I would have probably taken those codons, right, and had maybe one codon is a particular note, and yeah, a different yeah. codon is a different note. And that's going to leave you with a few codons left over, though. Yeah. So if you consider three letters making a codon, which is what the cell does, then... All possible combinations of all codons gives you 64 options. Hmm. So if you've got, um, say you start on an A, you've got, um, you've got A, 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 A. So, so at each position, you've got four options. Yeah. So if you're just looking at one base, you've got four options. Hmm. If you're looking at two bases, it's, you've got four options in the second position. That gives you 16 possible options. Mm-hmm. So you've got A, 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 T, A, G, A, C. T, 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 A, T, G, T, C, and then you yeah, go through, yeah, it gives yeah. you 16 options. When you get to codons, if you go through all the possible permutations, you get 64 options. Mm. Now, a cell is, they, they say it's, it's a degenerative genetic code, so only 20 options are used in the, in the cell. Yeah. So there's, in some instances, you can have six combinations of codons, six different codons code for the same amino acid. Mm. So in, in musical terms, those six different codons code for the same note mm. if, if you're following the genetic code. Mm. So instead of mapping, um, yeah. So, so I, I did it systematically. I thought, because I'm doing a science paper here, I need to be systematic. Mm. So I wrote algorithms that sonify DNA using one base at a time, which mm. gives you four notes. Mm. I then chose algorithms that do two bases at a time. That gives you 16 notes. Mm. And then I chose algorithms that do codons, three bases at a time. That give you 64 notes. Mm. Now, getting back to your idea of octaves and things, 64 notes is quite a big range, particularly if you're playing a scale and not being chromatic. It's larger than probably a lot of instruments, isn't it? 64 notes? Well, absolutely. So if you start at, at the first note on a guitar and you want to play 64 notes, after about, I don't know, 30 notes or so, you're at the top of the guitar neck and you've got nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. You've run out of notes. Yeah. And the same with on a piano. If you start at the, the bottom, you might get to the, to the end of the piano if you're being chromatic. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing a scale, so out of the 12, note, 12 semitones in a scale, you only play, say, seven notes. Mm-hmm. So you run out of piano keys. Yeah. So... I, I, I had to go at sonifying DNA using um, 64 notes, but I had the output from that sonification is chromatic. It's not in a scale. Uh. But when you switch to doing what the cell does, which... Oh, sorry. So getting back to what I was saying earlier, I was systematic. I, I did one note at a time for four notes, two notes, two bases at a time for 16 notes. And then I went codons, three bases at a time for 64. But then I also did it as a cell does it. So I did the, um, I, I, I mapped it to 20 notes, which is what the cell does. Mm. So and then I also got nerdy and I thought, well, since there are three reading frames, I need to 
to have algorithms that play three notes at a time, right. you know, in, in interspersed three notes over three instruments, mm -hmm. rather than just reading the gene sequence, which it gets complicated. Um, I, I can play you examples yeah, at some yeah. point to, to make things a bit clearer, yeah, if yeah. you want. Whenever yeah. you want, yeah. We should just mention your really cool uh, phone case as well. Hamid might not, oh. due to his age, might not know what that it's is. It's a cassette tape. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's a cassette how, tape. How dare you, Alex? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, know you, I know you're old, but you're not that old. Alex. I've even got a pen so we can like fix up the tape inside. <laughs> <if> we <need. laughs> okay. You'd have to like fill up with paper to record over yeah. it again. So <laughs> I don't know where the camera is here, and not that one. Not that one yeah. is it? Where's the camera? There's oh, yeah. three cameras. So yeah. Okay. So here's the camera here. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So down um, a bit. That's good. So I, part of the yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah. So focused. part of the job as a medical biologist was um, part of my job as a molecular biologist. Yep. Um, was dealing with large data sets. So doing some bioinformatics mm -hmm. to do coding on large genome-wide and high-throughput genetics. Mm. So I thought, why don't I apply my coding skills to sonification? Mm. And I thought the best thing to do was have a tool that creates audio in real time. So that's what I tried to code. Mm. And finally, I've managed to code it. So nice. that thing I was pointing at you is my um, result of coding that creates audio on the fly. Yeah. So you give it a sequence, you push go, and it generates oh, the audio. Cool. So this is... Um, this is just a random sequence, if I can get my, my thing working. So this is just a random sequence, but no idea what it's going to sound like. But this is sonified um, using my tool. So let me get my tool to work. It's flipped around, there you go. So that's just a random sequence. Yes, it is. So, okay, so I can explain that to you. Yeah. So it started off playing da 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 da. And then it switched to da 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 da. Yeah. And then it went dun 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 like that. Yeah. And then it went back to da 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 da. Okay. So to me, that means something about the sequence. Because when it was playing. Da 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 da. The triplets. Hmm. That means that all three reading frames were sonif were, were, were being heard. So remember, we're saying that the 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 codon that that three base pairs mm -hmm. slides along one base pair to to read the next one, and then it slides along one, mm -hmm. and then it gets back to reading the 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 the, the previous reading frame again. Mm -hmm. So the three reading frames. So it was playing. All three reading frames were playing, but when it started to go to the doublet notes, mm. that means there was a stop codon in one of those three reading frames, ah, which stopped yeah. the audio oh. in that reading frame. Yeah. So you're left with two options for a gene sequence, if you like. Yeah. So it was playing da dun da dun da dun da dun da dun And then it started playing dun 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 one note, yeah. which meant there was a stop codon in one of the right. reading frames that was actually playing. Yeah. Yeah. So you, it left you with one note. So if you hear one note playing for an extended period of time, that's a good indicator that it's an open reading frame, which is, could, could be a gene sequence. And then it went back to da 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 So those two silent reading frames then came across start codons, which reinitiated the audio yeah. to then pl start playing da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So in its own right, the audio is never going to be enough to do proper sequence analysis. Yeah. But as a 
supplementary tool to visual inspection, mm. I think it's quite useful. Yeah, I, I would think that would be cool to just find patterns. Uh, so just transforming the data in this new audio version mm -hmm. could, could, could give you a new way of just trying to recognize patterns that might have been missed by other methods. Because there's a lot of things in DNA like repeat sequences and stuff, like uh, that, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So, so when people do sonification, they often sonify almost random data, like stock market data or, you know, things like that. So a, a lot of non-scientists, when they sonify DNA, they treat DNA as a random sequence. Where, because I'm a scientist, when I, when I treat DNA, I think of it as information content. And mm. how do you listen to and sonify that information content? Mm. So using stop and start codons in, in a certain way is important for generating the audio. There are many other ways of sonifying DNA to make it sound more musical. And I've avoided all of those. Mm -hmm. But my concession to music was to use traditional musical instruments mm. as the sound mm. and to put them into a scale so that it doesn't sound dissonant. Yeah, yeah. So that was my concession to making it listenable. Yeah. Um, but I guess the, yeah, that's an important point, right? Because lots of stuff in DNA is about repeat sequences and, oh, and yeah, yeah, tandem yeah. repeats and things like this is how a lot of people identify uh, genes yeah. and, and things that are of interest in yeah, DNA. Yeah, you just put me back on track. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, so if you think about DNA as a random source, then the audio is going to sound random. Mm. So when I was sonifying the DNA, I looked for the low-hanging fruit. Where, where, where's the, the easiest thing to have a proof of principle that the sonification is useful? Mm. So... Because I'm sonifying triplets, because that's what the cell does, sonifying codons, then I found a sequence which is made up of six bass pair repeat, which means that it's going to cycle through a melody mm -hmm. because it's six bass pairs long. Okay? If it was five bass pairs long, it would take 20 basses to repeat, mm -hmm. but because it's six bass pairs long, it repeats every six bass pairs. Mm -hmm. so it's, 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 I'm confusing you. But anyway, so if you listen to repetitive DNA and a large, large proportion of the human genome is repetitive DNA, mm. except we're not that interested in it. But it's easier to sonify. So I chose to sonify um, these sequences at the end of DNA, which are called telomeres, mm. telomere sequences. And it's just, uh, I can't remember the sequence. Is it TTAGGG or ATTGGG? It's one of those. That it, sounds about right. It's about <laughs> right. It's, it, it's about right. Yeah. And um, so. We have that six base pair repeat at the ends of our chromosomes. All chromosomes got them. Yeah. And when you sonify them, it gives you a, a melodic pattern that your ear can register as opposed to sonifying um, other DNA sequences that almost sound random and the right. ear doesn't mm. get a fix on what it sounds like. Right. So when you sonify a telomere sequence, you get this repetitive pattern. And when there's mutation in the, in the telomere, you can hear it straight it away. And go, oh, yes. I heard that. I heard that ah, mutation. That's cool. And then I looked for other examples where you can have repetitive sequences, such as I think it's Huntington's disease. There's mm, a CAG yeah, repeat, yeah, yeah. and you can have 40 CGA yeah, repeats. Yeah. Mm. So suddenly you get these very melodic patterns occurring yeah. in some gene sequences. Mm. Um, I can play you a telomere sequence if you yeah, like. Yeah, that'd um, be awesome. I'm not sure whether you'll be able to make head and the tail of it, but I'll, I'll have a go. So um, let me just go back. Here, let me see if I can navigate my own tool. Um, okay, so Donnie DNA sonification. Okay, 
So I'm going to select a telomere sequence from my list of genes. Um, excuse me while I do this. Here you go, human telomeric sequence. Okay. And then I'm going to sonify all three reading frames. So, um, and then, okay. And I'm ignoring the stop and start codons on this one mm -hmm. because, um, well, just because. And then I'll play it. It'll sound quite repetitive. And look, I don't know. And I'll, I'll talk over it if you like. Which is the telomere repeats. But there'll be a change. There you go. Don't. So it's, it's switched to a different melodic pattern because it's been put out of sync by one bass pair. Which is a mutation. It only takes one bass pair to knock that out. Because yeah, yeah. we're doing stuff in the reading phase, yeah. right? So, that, so yeah. that big change in audio is caused by one bass pair change. And they'll switch back soon. Because there's another mutation. There you go. It's a second. Yeah. That's so, amazing. So, so, so when you listen to re repetitive sequences, yeah. it, th th that's when the, the penny dropped to me. Yes, it's useful if it's a simple sequence. So I've proven to my, well, I, I've convinced myself that it's a useful method of analysis. Right. And I've done a proof of principle paper. So the next thing is to sonify sequences in different ways that remove a lot of that randomness, because you can't pick changes in the randomness, mm. so that you can pick the changes. So I've got some very clear ideas on how to do that but I don't want to spill the beans just yeah, right now. But <laughs> it's going to be my summer project oh, is cool. to, to recode a follow-up tool yeah. to um, pick um, changes in more complicated sequences. And I think that's the, that's the battle. Could, could, oh yeah, I think we kind of... One, I have one quick question and then we'll, then we'll probably end it because, yeah, we have gone on a while, haven't yeah. we? So Todd, your time off why. It's a fascinating discussion. I'm, I'm just like... Uh, uh, appeasing my own interest here. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> but I if just, you're not interested, you can't yeah. expect the audience to be interested. One one last question, I guess, um, is I guess comparing like some utility out of this is human genes are relatively similar, right? Except for uh, the odd um, like single point mutation here and there. Like human, the human genes, the genes we have yeah, that yeah, work yeah, are, are pretty the same, right? Absolutely. So if you're um, so if analyzing we, genomes of people... So if I compare my yeah. sequence to your sequence... Yeah then our sequences are the same. Yeah. So you can abstract away what's the same and sonify what's different, Yeah. which is the next round. So that'd be your, your basically the, the melody of your soul. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's no such thing as a soul though, man. No. <laughs> I mean, if you want to have fun with this, I think that the, 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 the fun thing to do is to reverse... Um, code the thing. So s take a, m a melody of a song you like yeah. and convert that into a DNA oh, sequence and then cool. search the genome if for if, if that sequence occurs. Oh, what a great idea. And then yeah. start to say, but then... Jimi Hendrix is in my genome. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I think that's a lot of fun, but I think it will confuse the general public. Yeah. And it, it's almost fake news. Yeah. And I, I'm really torn between keeping the straight and narrow and keeping it very scientific yeah. and having fun with it. Yeah. And I want to do both, but I don't want to complicate yeah. things too much. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's hard. I'm still not sure what to do. I, yeah. I could see like an app maybe in the future where you 
you know, upload a, a, a music um, MP3 onto it and it gives you a sequence and then it compares that. You, the, the, the person doesn't even have to see the sequence, right? It just compares it to your genome and if there's, there's enough yeah. similarity. So it, it's interesting where... Well, maybe it could go, go a, a, across species. Some people might be similar to like bears and dogs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so j j just in terms of where this takes you, I know you want to wrap up, but um, so like I said, I, I published this nervously thinking... I want to be taken seriously. I don't want people to think I'm just creating random audio from, you know, make, trying to make music. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I was very focused in, in mimicking a cellular process to generate audio. And mm -hmm. I think it works. And I think hopefully there's a little demonstration that says it works. But then I, it, it took off on social media and became, for me, it became a big deal. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I started to get lots of people asking questions and stuff. And s someone called me up or contacted me and said, can you play this music is play this audio as music mm. at a science event. Mm. So I did that, and then we did it again. So that's starting to become a bit of a thing. Right. Mm. And then I got an email last week from an academic in Scotland saying, can you send me some audio because I want to put it into Cubase, which is a music production tool yeah. to generate audio. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And then I did a search last week on, because I'm always trying to update to see if people are showing interest in what I've done. And I found out, and I didn't spot it last year because it was in Italian, but some Italian people had taken, had at least cited the idea that of, of what I did and extended it and then done a musical performance in Italy oh, about this thing. That's awesome. And so there's, there's, it's sort of little sparks yeah, here and there yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. coming through with taking this into a more creative domain. Yeah. And that, to me, says, well... I should stop thinking about taking it into a creative domain because I don't want it to make my science less, mm. you know, um, I don't want to confound the two, yeah. but I think I should just embrace the two. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I should have a pseudonym for my musical yeah, yeah, um, yeah. sort of um, <laughs> exploration of DNA audio and have my science persona. Yeah. You know, like that Janus, that view where you've got your sort of your uh, Harlequin, you've got your white face yeah. and your black <laughs> face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay, cool. cool. Well, thanks so much for your time, Mark. We really appreciate That's all right. it. Thank you that for showing a, interest. A yeah. fun, that was a fun conversation. And uh, that, when can people, can, can the general public get access to those algorithms? Or yeah, yeah, it's online. Yeah. Uh, I, part of the publication was the website. Yep. So it's um, one word, dnasonification.com.